I came to a much deeper conviction that Christians and Muslims have a lot in common, enough common ground to enable them to work together for uh, the betterment of their society, despite all the theological differences that exist between them. It is not incompatible with sharing Christ. In fact, I believe that it is through working together that we come to share Christ not only in work, we can't separate our verbal witness from our life witness. Both are needed. Our witness is best given in the context of a friendship and working relationship. My name is Angel Torero. I want to welcome you to On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham. What can Christians in Sydney learn from Christians in Sao Paulo? How can church leaders in Mongolia equip pastors in Miami, which is where I live and serve? On this podcast, we listen in on conversations between Chris Wright and church leaders in Africa, Asia, and Latin America where my family has their roots. We hope you discover how much wisdom the church in the West has to gain from their sisters and brothers in villages and towns around the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by John Stott to equip church leaders in the majority world. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham and explore more resources from global church leaders. Our host is Dr. Christopher J.H. Wright, known to many as Chris Wright, a respected theologian and award-winning author of more than 30 books, including critically acclaimed The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. When he's not writing books, Chris serves as Global Ambassador and Ministry Director for Langham. Today, we pick up with part two of Chris's talk with Shakat Mukari. They'll continue their conversation about interfaith dialogue between Christians and Muslims by discussing Shakat's new book, Islam on Trial, a book that provides non-Muslims with the foundation for understanding Muslim faith and practice and highlights shared common ground between Christianity and Islam. I hope you enjoy. Now, part of your academic journey has been writing books, and uh, I think you have at least six, is it? Um, uh, Well, five that I know of, and a sixth that you have just written. Um, And uh, we could talk about that one, because this is the one that is is being published by Langham, uh, Islam on Trial. And uh, it's very interesting why you've written this one and what you're attempting to do, because you've talked about it. By the way, it is published by Langham Partnership, and uh, people can... Uh, find it through langhamliterature.org, which is the, the website langhamliterature.org, and it's, it's, it'll be available there. Uh, but in tell French us about the book. In English. In French and in English. Yeah, it was published in both uh, French and English by Langham. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Good. Mm. There we are. You see, we're, we're a multilingual organization as well. <laughs> French and English. Anyway, Islam on Trial. Shaka, t- tell us a bit about this book and wh- why people would uh, want to read it and what your purpose in it was. Well, as I explained in the uh, first uh, chapter, or in the foreword, actually, I was not, uh, you know, determined to write yet another book on Islam. But uh, the, you know, the suggestion was made to me in August 2020 
by a friend of mine whom I got to know, uh, you know, 40, 45 years ago when we were both medical students in Besançon. And he had just read my book on forgiveness in French. And my book on forgiveness in French was actually published in February 2020. And uh, he said to me, you know, your book must be excellent because it is based on your PhD. But I doubted that many people would be able to read it because it is too academic. So I would like you to write a book which is much more accessible to uh, wider readership. And I would like you also to uh, you know, address some practical issues to answer some questions that Muslims about Muslims that French people are asking. And he also said, I, it would be good if you could give us, uh, you know, a, an outline of your uh, life journey, because I know you. And because I know you, I understand where you come from. And therefore, I understand what you say in your book. But some of your positions about Muslims, about Israel, for instance, uh, are not easily acceptable by people who do not know you. So, you know, it's amazing that this uh, suggestion did not go. Uh, it stayed with me for a time. And therefore, shortly after I came back, uh, I said, okay, I'm going to write a new book where I can follow this, these suggestions, you know, a book which is more readable, a book where uh, I tackle some issues and give some of my own personal journey. So this is, uh, if you like, uh, three reasons that uh, make this book uh, different from uh, the previous ones. Plus, you know, I, I have never in my previous books talked about uh, the Trinity, uh, whereas in this uh, book, there is a whole chapter that is devoted to this very important uh, question. The same, I have never talked about radical Islam. And again, there is a whole chapter about radical Islam. And uh, last but not least, you know, after uh, All Nations, I worked for World Vision International for over 10 years. And I traveled to a lot of, to 50 countries or more. And uh, World Vision uh, works in uh, two, in 20 Muslim majority countries and in Muslim communities, which, are, which exist in non-Muslim majority countries, such as Kenya or Ethiopia or uh, whatever. Mm. So, and I came to a much deeper conviction that Christians and Muslims have a lot in common and enough common ground to enable them to work together for uh, 
the betterment of their society despite all the theological differences that exist between them. Mm. So the last chapter in this book outlined 12 uh, beliefs and uh, ethical values that are common to Christians and Muslims. Uh, and this is very, very important, you know. We know that no, not all Christians will become Muslims, not all Muslims will become Christians. So are we, what are we going to do? You know, we need to uh, take seriously the first mandate that we have received from God, the creation mandate, which is to look after the creation. And the great, uh, the greatest command: love your neighbor as yourself. And therefore, this uh, creation mandate and the greatest command have become more, perhaps, important in my eyes after these ten years of working with the Muslim communities. Not that the, I did not know them; of course, I do, I did. But you know, we need to. Uh, take them perhaps more seriously than we normally do, not at the expenses of the Great Commission. In fact, I believe that the two are very intertwined. You know, you can't, uh, you can't share Christ with, uh, with people if you don't love them. You can't share Christ in a hostile uh, approach. And similarly, if, uh, if you love people at one point, especially if you have regular relationship with them, you would want to share with them what is most precious in your life. Mm. So the two are intertwined. Mm. So after working for 10 years closely with the Muslim community, I became more convinced that we need to work together for uh, the good of our society, especially that the challenges that we are facing are not easily uh, addressed if we do not work all together with uh, not only Muslims, but everyone who is prepared to work. So again, it is not incompatible with sharing Christ. In fact, I believe that it is through working together that we come to share Christ, not only in word. You know, I love uh, the way that uh, World Vision International uh, explains uh, its uh, mission uh, mandate. At one point, uh, in the mission statement, it says that we witness to Christ by life, deeds, words, and signs. Mm -hmm. You know, this holistic approach is needed because we are witnessing by our life, mm -hmm. uh, you know, through working with people. Uh, so again, we, sh we can't separate, you know, our verbal witness from our uh, life witness. Mm. Uh, both are needed and the, you know, the wit our witness is best uh, 
given in the context yeah. of a friendship and working relationship. Absolutely. One of the other things I notice about your book uh, is that you have a whole chapter dealing with what are called difficult and sensitive issues relating to Islam and Muslims in France, i.e. the kind of questions that French people ask, which are also asked by British people, I know. Um, and I just read a few of them. I'm not asking you to answer them now, but just so that people have a, a sense of the flavor of this book and how helpful it could be. Uh, to, uh, to, to readers. So, for example, uh, in Islamic countries, Christians do not enjoy freedom of worship, so shouldn't we, tit for tat, restrict religious freedom of Muslims in Western countries? Uh, I've heard that one argued. Uh, people think, is Islam a danger to Western civilizations? Do Muslims all want to convert Western civil societies to Islam? Um, is not the moral decay of Western civilization a proof that Christianity and its values have failed? Um, why do Christians blindly support, for example, the oppression of Palestinian people in the state of Israel with, without really questioning that? Uh, and perhaps m very challenging, why is it that many Islamic countries are poor and underdeveloped and ruled by authoritarian regimes? Is there some reason behind that? So these are just examples of the kind of questions that are that, that people ask on the street about Muslims, and you've um, helpfully tackled some of these in, in your book, which is good to know. Um, I've mentioned France there, um, uh, Shaukat, and obviously you have spent a lot of your life, both as a student and, and in work, in France. And I wonder if you could tell us a, a bit about France itself, because... Um, Many people around the world may not be aware of something of the history of how France became, quite after the French Revolution, really quite, what one might say, aggressively secular with the, the principle of laïcité, you know, secularism, that religion must be excluded from the public sphere. Um, and, and that has run right through, even though there was a kind of Catholic heritage uh, and Protestantism was, was suppressed. But... Could you tell us a bit about what the religious landscape in France is like these days? Well, among all European countries, France has uh, the largest Muslim community and the largest Jewish community in Europe. Hmm. So this is uh, very specific to France as a country. which uh, might explain why people wanted to uh, uh, uphold the laïcité, which is in the Constitution. You know, the Constitution says that uh, France is uh, uh, a, la a république laïque, a secular uh, republic. And, the and this Constitution was actually... Uh, written, well, maybe not written, but uh, uh, or, uh, written under the, the, the sponsorship of General de Gaulle. Mm -hmm. And General de Gaulle was himself a very committed Catholic. Uh, so it was, laïcité was by no means a way to exclude religion uh, from uh, the public sphere. But it was a way to make le vivre ensemble, meaning the living together possible between uh, different uh, communities, uh, 
Jewish, Muslim, and secular people or atheists. Mm-hmm. Another thing which might explain why uh, laïcité is very important is the historical background to France. You know, the church in France was very oppressive for many centuries. Mm-hmm. And some uh, uh, intellectuals uh, resented this. And the French Revolution might be explained partly as a reaction to the uh, authoritarian uh, regime of the church. Uh, So uh, having said that, la laïcité is a concept which is understood in very many ways. So you have the the fundamentalists, if you like, who want to apply secularism as an alternative religion. Mm -hmm. And you have those who uh, think of laïcité simply as a a way to uh, protect the freedom of religion. In fact, this this was the intention of the laïcité in the first place. It was to protect the freedom of religion that uh, uh, the law of 1905 was uh, edicted. La séparation de l'Église et de l'État, the separation of the church and the state. It was, and some secularist people were against this law because they wanted to control the church. And they wanted to actually continue to pay for the clergy. Mm -hmm. Because in paying the clergy, you have control over them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, the separation of the church and the state, the, 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 the goal was to protect the freedom of the of, of, of religion, the freedom of expression. So it was not at all initially thought of as a way to uh, exclude religion. Mm. And of course, this uh, laïcité is under uh, test uh, because of the increasing number of the Muslim community in, in France. And not only the increasing number, but many Muslims now feel at home in France. Mm. And actually, they are French citizens. Yeah. And they are asking for their rights. Uh, and uh, there are also those who have, you know, were carried out uh, terrorist attacks against uh, the French people, especially, you know, in 20... Uh, Six, uh, six, uh, 15. 2015, Charlie Hebdo. They That's went right. 12 people were, were murdered by Islamic yeah. terrorists. Well, they, on journalists. You yes, know, journalists. Yes, journalists. This uh, journal. Yeah. And also in November 2015, there were several attacks mm. where uh, 130 people were killed. Mm. Uh, so the This is why uh, the government in France has been led to highlight the importance of laïcité and to edict new laws, for instance, forbidding the uh, 
the, the, the Islamic veil, the integral veil, I mean, covering the face, for instance, mm-hmm. is forbidden in France mm-hmm. in uh, public spaces. And even in schools, they did not want the people, you know, children uh, to have distinctive, uh, ostentatious, as the law say, religious signs. And more recently, there was this uh, law that was uh, addicted to enable the government to have closer control over all uh, groups. Uh, and the target was implicitly the Muslim community, mm-hmm. although the law cannot target uh, explicitly the Muslim mm-hmm. group. And therefore, uh, you know, some evangelical, Protestant, and Catholic uh, leaders have protested against uh, uh, the way that uh, this law has been designed. So the context in France may explain why the laïcité is uh, considered as a national value, almost as important as liberté, égalité, fraternité, mm-hmm. although it's not a part of the uh, Republican uh, slogan, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, it is in the Constitution. Yes. Now, I personally, I'm not against laïcité. In fact, I am for laïcité, provided that it is understood and applied in an inclusive way. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so uh, in, in terms of um, then uh, the the church, uh, the, the church in France, because one of the things that I grew up as, as a young person always being told was, you know, the evangelicals in France are a tiny, tiny minority. They're struggling. It's, there's hardly any. Uh, evangelical witness. There are, you know, w- there are missionaries there who are struggling. But what I've heard more recently, and particularly within the context of Lausanne, Europe, uh, who had uh, quite a big conference last year, is that there have been remarkably encouraging signs of growth among um, evangelical churches in in France. Not only because, uh, as sometimes people would say, because of the of immigration from uh, Francophone Africa. Uh, from uh, some of whom, of course, would be Protestant. Most would be Catholic, but some would be Protestant. But indeed, among indigenous native French people, is that your understanding? Is that happening? Is is there church yes. growth happening yes, in definitely. France? Definitely, there is a growth in the Good. evangelical uh, churches, uh, and uh, this is something uh, that uh, people in general are aware of including the Catholic Church, which now takes very seriously this new reality, because the Catholic Church has become a minority church as well. So this may be one of the reasons why they feel closer to the evangelical churches. And not only this, but after I came back from uh, Britain to France, I realized that you know some words that used to be very uh, common among evangelicals are now more common among the Catholic Church, such as evangelization, evangelism. Hmm. Uh, And not only this, but there are now Catholics and evangelicals uh, that uh, meet on a regular basis to 
work about uh, to, to, to talk and to work on specific issues. Uh, and there have been uh, two books which have come out of this uh, work between evangelicals and Catholics. What I want to say is that having lived in Britain for 22 years, I can say that Britain is as secular as France when it comes to society. So I, I am not uh, completely with the views that France is secular mm. and like Britain. Mm. I mean, Britain is as secular as France. When you look at uh, the, the laws of the mm. country, yeah. you know, they are the same. In mm. fact, some laws in Britain were, were passed much more easily than in France. The law about same-sex marriage mm -hmm. was not very difficult to pass in, in the British Parliament, mm. whereas in, to, in 2012, there was more than one million people demonstrating on the street contre le mariage pour tous, against the marriage for everyone, mm. according to the title of the bill. And uh, in France, every Sunday morning, there are the whole morning religious programs on the state television, you know, for the uh, Orthodox community, the Catholic community, the Protestant community, the Jewish community, and even for the uh, Masonic community. <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I don't think that there is on, you know, the BBC, any no. channel, any program on religious issues, you know, uh, as we have in France. Well, we have songs of praise on BBC in the evening. But in France, every Sunday, we have these programs, which, you know, gives the opportunity to all religion to, uh, to talk about their faith. Mm -hmm. So this is just to say that France, you know, is not as secular as people from outside they say. Mm. And uh, Britain is not as religious <laughs> as uh, people <laughs> might That think. is certainly it's true. I think one could say there is a veneer of Christianity in Britain because of the history and because of the Church of England being the established church and so on. But you're absolutely right. Uh, at a popular level, at street level, uh, Britain is massively secular. I think, um, you know, there, there's scarcely a, a God box left, as it were, in the popular mind. So, um, but it hasn't been, one might put it, as explicitly built into the Constitution and so on as it has in France, but at a, at a level of the society as such, I think you're absolutely right. Um, uh, Shaukat, we must begin to draw to a close, and, and I'm just wondering um, what's next for you in, in your ministry? I mean, you've had so many years of ministry in France, in Britain, with World Vision, with Veritas, and so on. So uh, are you retiring anytime soon, or what, what lies ahead, and how can we pray for you and Hannah Lise and the family? Well, just before... Uh 
uh, I'd like to mention one thing about my new book, okay. which has been the, the the forward has been written by a Muslim. Wow, good. Uh, a Muslim who is actually uh, uh, the lecturer, the main lecturer of Islamic uh, theology at the Sorbonne University. And uh, well, we are friends because actually we studied Islamics together uh, at the time in the in the eighties, and we became a friend. And now he is one of the most prestigious uh, lecturers in Islam. And this and the book is also endorsed by uh, a very uh, well-known Muslim leader. Uh, who is the president of the La Fondation de l'Islam de France, Ghalib bin Sheikh. Uh, so, you know, engaging with uh, Muslims academically and personally, making friends of them is possible. You know, uh, Muslims are not what people think they are, especially those who do not come in contact with them. We really need to engage with Muslims. And we realize that most of them, most of the vast majority of them are open-minded and uh, loving people. And they are eager to engage with us uh, uh, in a very uh, friendly way. And I had no problems having these two Muslims, uh, you know, contributing to my book. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, the fact is that I have invited them to come for, uh, you know, a meal on Sunday. And they are coming That's with uh, two other Christian people who have also contributed to the book by sending an endorsement. And uh, two... On Sunday morning, there is a program on France Culture, which is, you know, a state radio uh, talking about, uh, you know, culture in general. And there is every Sunday a program called Question d'Islam, questions about Islam. And last Sunday, the one who was invited was actually a Muslim from Belgium but he is from a Moroccan background. And he lost his wife in one of the terrorist attacks. Oh boy. Mm. And he wrote a book called uh, Le Jihad de l'Amour, which was translated into English. And I checked on Amazon, and it is available on Amazon, Jihad for Love. And he, you know, it is wonderful what he says. He is a Muslim and not ashamed at all of his identity, but he has come through this experience to understand religion in a completely different way than what we think that Muslims do about their religion. So the main thing and what I want to say is that, you know, the terrorist attacks, they are horrible but they do not reflect the Muslim community as a whole. And uh, therefore we should not let ourselves be uh, 
led you to think that uh, these attacks represent mainstream Islam. They do not. They, you know, therefore, uh, we really need to uh, overcome our uh, prejudices about Islam and uh, to meet Muslims is the best way to overcome our prejudices, to reach out to them as human beings, as monotheistic believers. And as we do that, we will be given the opportunity very naturally to share Christ with them. Mm. So, you. yes, this is a very important and uh, to, to say uh, before we close on this. Uh, Thank you. And let me just remind people what the book is. We're talking about the book Islam on Trial, and it's available through Langham Publishing, and the website is langhamliterature.org, which is where you can find it. So, uh, finishing up then, uh, what what is the future, and how can we pray for you? One prayer request would be that, uh, what, that God uh, would uh, keep me uh, a faithful servant, uh, and uh, a bold disciple of Christ uh, uh, in my uh, social life, in my Christian ministry, in the way that uh, I uh, uh, related to people as friends, and also in my speaking engagement, because I have also a lot of uh, speaking engagements. Uh, uh, part of it is... Uh, uh, Forum Veritas, uh, yeah. which was which was started in in the U.S., but now the GBU, the Christian Union, is now in charge of Forum Veritas. So I have I'm often uh, invited to take part uh, in uh, Forum. So in my speaking engagement, as well as in my uh, friendships and my different encounters with people, that I will be uh, humble but also bold uh, mm. disciple of Christ. Mm. And the other prayer request is about the family, because, uh, you know, we believe that God has led us to come back to France. But on the other hand, you know, we don't live in the same country as our children. Three of them, as I said, live in the UK, and they are very happy settled in the UK. So this is my two prayer requests, mm-hmm. you know, in, for Christian ministry and for uh, my family. family. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. It's wonderful to talk to my friend Shaukat Mukari, and uh, we wish you well and we will pray for you. And thank you for all these enlightening comments and perspectives that we've had today. So thank you, Shaukat. God bless. My pleasure. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. That's it for today's episode. Praise God for how he raises up leaders like Shaka and uses them to encourage us to seek peace and understanding with those around us. Again, I'm Angel Torero, and thank you for joining me for On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to discover how they multiply and equip leaders around the world. If you enjoyed today's conversation, will you let us know by giving us a review and sharing this with a friend? And then join me for future episodes 
where we'll be talking to leaders in Zambia, Palestine, Kenya, Brazil, and beyond. We look forward to having you join for our next episode of On Mission with Chris Wright. In the meantime, God bless.